Okay, so that concludes 20 minutes of meditation. I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed and join me in the third step prayer. We're going to slow the prayer down. We're going to breathe in and breathe out each line of the prayer. And we're going to take a few breaths in between each line to try to do what it's asking us to do or to not do what it's asking us to not do. So for me, the first line of the third step prayer is the word God. So I breathe in God. And I think the prayer is asking me to make a connection with this thing we call God by calling to it. So I take a few breaths and I call to it like I would call to a friend inside of me. Offer myself to thee. Again, I take a few breaths and I ask myself this simple question Really? Do I really offer myself right here, right now, to my higher power? How committed am I to that offering? breathe in, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. And I take a few breaths and I try to see if there isn't a sense, a sensing or a knowing or a feeling of what my higher power might want to build with me or do with me today, right now. breathe out. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I take a few breaths and I try to see what it might feel like or be like or sound like if I had no bondage to the old character, no bondage to my story, no bondage to my old ideas. Just a quiet, open mind. Breathe in, that I may better do thy will. Again, I take a few breaths and I think about how much better could I do God's will if I had that quiet mind? And I breathe out, take away my difficulties. And I take a few breaths and I look over my day so far today and I try to see what have been my difficulties. What has gotten in the way of me being the person that I think God would have me be today? 
breathe in, that victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths and I think about the people I might come in contact with the rest of today. And I think about how I might affect those people if I truly was an example of God's power and God's love and God's way of life. And I breathe in. I'm sorry, I breathe out. May I do thy will always. And I take a few breaths and I allow myself to smile and I picture myself doing God's will right here, right now, always. gently open your eyes. As you open your eyes, try not to start self-talking again right away. Try to become aware or present or conscious of the seeing that is happening now that your eyes are open. Maybe see the colors. See the shadows. See the objects, but don't tell yourself a story about those objects. Just tell yourself that you are seeing them. Okay. Okay. So, I'm Randy, and I am alcoholic. <laughs> I see some familiar faces here today. It's fantastic. It's so nice to see you again. Um, uh, what it means when I say I'm alcoholic, what it means to me is that my body is allergic to alcohol. I can never, ever drink alcohol successfully again, ever, one day at a time. Not because alcohol is good or bad, but because I am allergic to it. If I do drink it, I'm going to have an allergic reaction. It's inevitable. I'm going to black out. I'm going to want more. I'm going to crash cars. I'm going to trash relationships. I'm going to push everybody and everything out of my life so that I can be alone with my alcohol. I know that about myself. I know that I'm allergic to alcohol, but I still have a mind that talks to me and the disease centers in my mind. And the thing that's cunning, baffling and powerful isn't alcohol. I know it says that in the, in the, how it works. It says, remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling and powerful. If there was one word in the whole book I could change, it would be, I would change that word alcohol to alcoholism. Because alcoholism is cunning, baffling, and powerful. Alcohol is a substance. It's a, it's a medicine. It sits in a bottle. If I don't put it in my body, it has no cunning, baffling, or powerful results on my body. 
I have to ingest it for that to happen. The reason I drink alcohol is because I have a disease called alcoholism. And the disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. The disease talks to me in my own voice. The disease tells me, I know you're allergic to alcohol, but you're in so much pain right now because your girlfriend left you or you're, you spent all your money or you gambled or you ate or you drank or you did something. And, and now I'm in so much emotional pain because of the disease of alcoholism that the disease is telling me that I should drink alcohol because alcohol for my, most of my life, or well, not, not so much anymore. For more of my life, I've been sober than drunk now, believe it or not. That's crazy. But for most of what I think of as my life, pre-sobriety, alcohol was the best, easiest to get over-the-counter treatment for the disease of alcoholism. When I would get into enough pain, I could drink. And the drinking instantly changed my state of mind. Instantly, I had a spiritual awakening from the spirits in the alcohol. <laughs> I have a spirit awakening from alcohol. And all of a sudden, I'm okay in the moment I'm in. All of a sudden, my mind's not talking to me so loud. All of a sudden, it's okay to stay with the person I'm with, or it's okay to stay in the job I'm with, or it's okay to back down from my parents, or it's okay to be okay right now because I'm drinking. I'll deal with it later. And, and that's why, that's the only reason I would drink again today would be because my mind would tell me that drinking would kill the pain of whatever pain I'm in right now, even though I know I'm allergic to it. But the crazy thing is, is that same mind, that exact same mind in exactly the same voice, the minute that I took that drink, that same mind would say, you're an idiot. You're allergic to alcohol. You can't drink alcohol. Why'd you do that? You're so stupid. And it would start with the pain again immediately. It would just make it about the alcohol now. It wouldn't be about the girl or the job or the money or the car. And then it would convince me to continue drinking because I've already screwed up today. And I've done that over and over and over again. So my problem is alcoholism. And the treatment for the disease is a spiritual awakening. Because the 12th step says, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. So, so the treatment for the disease is not a better job. It's not a better girlfriend. It's not a better place to live. It's not more money in the bank. It's not losing weight or gaining weight or getting a haircut. It's none of the things that my mind tells me is the thing that would, would treat the disease. The treatment for the disease is a spiritual awakening right here, right now, in this moment. And by the way, the beautiful thing about this is the only moment I could have a spiritual awakening is right here, right now, in this moment. And uh, I talked about this a little bit last Wednesday, I think, or Saturday, but I have been going through it. The disease is on me right now. It is finding fault with my work. And then it doesn't stop there. It's, then it goes to my wife and to my relationship and to my house and to my car. And it feeds into every area of my life until it makes me completely 
restless, irritable, and discontent and tells me there's no way out. That's the way the disease treats me. And the last thing the disease wanted to do today was come here and sit down and meditate. I can tell you what it sounded like in my head. That's stupid. You need to fix your job or fix your wife or fix your house. You don't need to meditate. What could possibly good could come from meditating, from sitting, doing absolutely nothing for 20 minutes? That's ridiculous. That's how my mind talks to me. Luckily, I have a commitment at this meeting. (laughs) I'm committed to being here. And you know what else the disease tells me? It says, you know what? You're so sick right now, you shouldn't go to that meeting. You should let somebody else lead the meeting. Because you're so sick. And it's a lie. And everything you talk about is a lie. That's how the disease talks to me. But then I do it. I sit down and I meditate. And all of a sudden, it becomes apparent to me that, oh, yeah, right here, right now, nothing's attacking me. Nothing's good or bad. Nothing's happening. Nothing. No thing. That's another, that's another name for a higher power. No thing. <laughs> no thing is happening right now. <laughs> So I get to be present and I get to meditate and I get to start again applying the principles for my life today, right now, just like you, just like you, I got nothing on you. When the disease is on and it's talking to me and it's telling me how how I'm being treated unfairly and how I'm never going to get good leads anymore and how they don't like me anymore at work and they like everybody else and how... <clears throat> I'm never going to make any money and I'm going to be broke and alone and 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 sick and have no money and nobody to take care of me. That's where it always goes. And it's going there and it's so powerful. But I get to admit right here, right now, that I'm a complete defeat at being okay in this moment if I'm self-talking, if I'm energizing the disease. I'm a complete defeat at being okay. And that my life has become unmanageable. My inner thought life is unmanageable by me in this moment. I cannot, I know all the words and I've had all the pep talks about how it's going to be okay and how everything's going to turn around and all the positive self-talk. I know how to do that, but it doesn't treat the disease of alcoholism. That is all that self-talking, all that me trying to pep myself up and cheer myself up and make it better is me trying to restore me to sanity. And the only thing that's going to work is if I stand here, right here, right now, before you, right here, right now, and I say, God, I'm a complete defeat at being okay right now. I cannot restore myself to sanity. I'm mercilessly obsessed to figure out work and to figure out how to make more money right now. I'm mercilessly obsessed with the idea that if I don't make more money, I'm going to be unhappy for the rest of my life. I stand ready to do anything right now that will lift my merciless obsession. 
And, and right now it's not alcohol. But, but if you're new and it is alcohol, that would be the place to start. Look at me. I'm mercilessly obsessed with alcohol. I'm going to need some help. And, and I get to walk into the second step and say, God, could you be with me? I get to start coming to believe right now that there's a power, that that power is greater than me, and that that's the power that's going to restore me to sanity. I can't self-talk my way into sanity. I can't do it. I'm going to need a power greater than myself. And I'm going to have to start rightly relating myself to it. God, could you help me to be here in this chair, in this room, in this moment? And if I will do that, if I will sit down and take a moment to meditate and to break the, the noise, or at least to see it, and then if I will admit complete defeat, and then if I will walk into the second step and start rightly relating myself to my higher power, what inevitably happens is my mind gets quiet for a moment. And then it comes back, I promise you, it comes back and it says, oh, okay, you're better now, let's go make some money. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts talking to me again about how to make more money right away. Right away it jumps back in and I'm right back in it. Oh yeah, that sounds good. Oh, I'm more centered now. And then it takes me again. And then it starts over. And then I have to admit complete defeat again and start rightly relating. Until I have enough moments. Until I have enough moments right here, right now of sanity where I could make a decision again. Oh yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Okay, God, I'm here. I work for you. I forgot. I'm sorry. I left you again. I'm back. You could have all of me, the good and the bad. I'm willing to do whatever it is you put in front of me to do. I'm going to trust and rely on you. And I'm going to start doing what I think you want me to do. That's the instruction in the fourth step. Uh, it says uh, about fear. Uh, I'm in the wrong paragraph. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to read it out of the book so I don't make it up. <laughs> okay. I review my fears thoroughly. I put them on paper, even though I have no resentment in connection with them. I ask myself why I have them. Why do I have this fear that I'm going broke? Isn't it because self-reliance has always failed me? When I look back in my life, I can see that self-reliance has always failed me and that I am not trusting and relying on a power greater than myself. Self-reliance is good as far as it goes, but it doesn't, fully, it doesn't go far enough. For me, I once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it makes me cocky, it's worse. And then I overcompensate and I push and shove even more. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. For I am now on a different basis. Now, right now, right here. The basis of trusting and relying upon God. 
I trust infinite God rather than my finite self. I'm in the world to play the role it assigns, not the one I've assigned them to play for me, but the one that it assigns for me to do today, just today. Just to the extent that I do as I think it would have me and humbly rely on it, does it enable me to match calamity with serenity. So that's my only hope for today, is my only hope is that I will trust and rely on a power greater than myself, and I will do what I think it would have me do, and then see what happens, and let the chips fall where they will. My experience is, time after time, that I always get exactly what I need. I've always had it. I always will. It's only my mind that talks me out of enjoying this moment right here, right now, always. So I'm going to stop talking. We're going to open the meeting up for sharing. If you'd like to share, you raise your hand and we'll call on you and unmute you. And um, um, if you share, it's recorded. So if you share, we record the shares. And um, we make it uh, these meetings available for people to listen to at other times. Okay, Anastasia. Hi, everyone. Uh, Anastasia, addict alcoholic. I'm being recorded. God, the pressure. I'm going to say so many imperfect things that are going to be the wrong things for so many alcoholics, but um, maybe the right thing for somebody. Um, I'm uh, hearing you say, you know, if blank happens, I'm not going to be okay. I'm going to be old and alone. My needs are going to get met. And for you, it's money. And it's like, yeah, it's like for me, I can like fill in that blank with something else totally different. And that fear is the same. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm so happy for Randy that that's somewhere he's going to in his mind, but he's starting somewhere else that might be more pleasant and grounded, maybe. Um, for me, uh, during the pandemic, there is a series of um, difficult circumstances, and um, it kind of like they weren't caused by my disease, but it aggravated my disease. So it aggravated that belief system just that you have about money. For me, it was more relational things. And my disease had a lot of evidence to see, um, hey, look how this is now. And, oh, you're having health problems. Like, how are you going to deal with this if it happens when you're like 70? You know, you don't have supportive friends, you're, you're, you're nurturing kind of one-sided relationships. How are you going to fix this now? You're in your late 40s. It's just all this like really depressive ass stuff. So um, I'm happy for you that you're, you get on the road to that, but you're not living there 24-7. So for me, it's like, okay, um, I prayed a lot and, you know, asked for guidance, asked God to show me what to do. And the road has taken a long time before the appropriate um, steps are available for me to take. Um, and I won't get into that because they're out, it's outside health issues. Um, but, you know, it's so important to have a, a new story and ask myself what God would say to me about it. You know, what would God want me to learn about this Um and have an open mind to that, even if I don't feel better immediately, just, just to keep it there as like, like a second step idea, like maybe somehow, some way, um, the future will be different. Maybe I don't know. 
you know, I just don't know, like, or I can just not know. Um, and, uh, lastly, when you're talking about that seven step briefly, God, I offer myself to you good and bad. It's like, do I, you know, cause if I make a mistake, I'm like, Oh no, I'm not working a good enough program. You know, my disease really wants to step in and be like, didn't you read all that strong language, you know, in the literature, it says, this is like fatal, you know, it's like, you're going to die. And I'm like, Oh, my disease loves that. And it's like, am I offering God the good and bad of me? Like, am I, it's like, no, I hold on to perfectionism and control. Like I should be managing things better. And it's Mm -hmm. total bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking with a sponsee a few days ago about this very same thing. And I'm like, well, why, why wouldn't God be with me the way I am with a friend that is generally like awesome and doing the best. If that friend makes a mistake, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll help you work out the thing, you know, whatever it is, or like, um, or, uh, God can be like a codependent mother with a child. A mistake is made, but the mother wants to still help and make everything be okay and make the situation work out. Like why wouldn't my higher power, um, still make things work out if I or someone else makes a mistake. It's like no reason. So, um, yeah, it's just funny how that, um, disease really likes to capitalize on my own mistakes and other people's mistakes. Um, but it's, it's good to recognize that, um, just to take the, the edge off of it. Thanks. Thanks, Anastasia. Leon. Evening, everyone. My name's Leon. Uh, I'm an alcoholic. Um, I like that. I like, um, I'm 35, I think, what I mean. Um, yeah, 1109 to me. So over in the UK, it's 90 uh, I like to learn things. I've Googled them. Um, in 1909, you got 16 in the UK for cigarettes and alcohol. Oh my gosh. Victor- Victorian Albert Museum was open, and that's my favourite museum in London. Instant coffee came out, that, that was zero over there. And a uh, Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, baseball club was just a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we talk about the third step three, I'm at step four at me, but the third step three, I like that as well. We don't know if it was Phil W that's done it or, or Bob or I quite like what it said that there was a gentleman called Harold Gill that might have done it. I'm from Rob Blessick. My understanding is Harold Gill. You know, I, I hang into them my power moments. There's probably not enough time in that big problem all that. I've got a clean mind. Is it God? Is it Jesus? I don't know. Some of the high power moments are what I've gone through. You know, I've been around for 20 months, right? 20 months, three uh, please don't laugh. 16 sponsors. 16. Mm. Four of them released after 24 hours. Now I've got some mental health problems. Um, given by 100 forms of fear, self delusion, self seeking, self pity. Step on the toes of our fellows and boys of age Italian. Resentments are vile. I'm not trying to lose. Um, I'm not into moments of what you do to me. And I've really tried to sort of meditation and stuff. But look, put down the alcohol and the cocaine after 33 years, five treatment centers, that old stuff that we all go through. And uh, I'm left with bipolar, signed off for the next two years, you know, with, with my mental health. I feel sorry for myself. Can't take drugs for 30 years and not have your head gone. Get it. What I do know is this fellowship's really special and um, the door's never closed on you. Every time the door's closed, and they put the lid on. Um, 
And I try to keep myself out of the ring. I try to do all the beautiful things that that book gives them. Um, sometimes I want to frightle someone in the meeting. <laughs> I'm really just trying, I swear to you, I'm really trying. I'm trying to be gentle in the way I speak. I can't hide the fact that I'm 20 stone, 6 foot 1. Um, and that we could be in a room with 40 people. I'm going to get 56 opinions. Someone might share about how they've had a bad day in the mall or Tesco or High Street. Oh, I get it. People stuff. You know what I mean? What, what's going on? I love the book. I love learning. That's what I like doing. There's so many sponsors. I'm not putting down. I'm just saying, so many of them. Wait, 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 get through the book. Like, see a little thing like John Ballycombe, our southern friend. I thought, is that a bloke he went down the pub with? That's oh, a gentleman that wrote a book in 1913 about this. He's Real book, I don't know, but just learning stuff and, and I'm enjoying doing it. You know, I'm not the most educated man, I just look at words in the book and they're you know, like mental goose flesh. That, with goosebumps. I just enjoy learning. Mm-hmm. And, um, beautiful book. And I've learned some other things as well, but I'm not going to repeat them because it looks like I'm putting AA down. I'm sure we all know the story about Hank. Um, picked up a massive resentment, never came back. Even the man that wrote the rest of the book, Adam Denton. Mm-hmm. Just, um, I want to pick up a drink that book, guys. My last used up in Christmas Day was, uh, I was rushed to hospital. You know, I think black. What, I think it's cocaine and, and more alcohol. <coughs> um, yeah, it's a beautiful little program we've got. Trust me, I've tried every positive in the book from the USA to Effie. Yep. Females, the males. Okay, who's next? Rick? Okay, I'll unmute you. There you go. Uh, am I unmuted? Yep. Okay, I have trouble hitting the, hitting the hand. Um, uh, my name's Rick, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Rick. And, um, Thanks to, uh, I'm grateful for this meeting. And, you know, when I first, and welcome to all the newcomers or anybody who's struggling. I, um, when I first got introduced to this meeting, they told me, wow, you know, they got to meditate. You got to meditate in the beginning. And I thought, oh man, you know, cause that was the last thing on my list to do list uh, as far as the steps go. And then they said it 20 minutes and it's like, oh fuck, I, I'm not doing that, you know, but. I was in enough pain to go to a meeting and I didn't want to go in person to a meeting because of COVID and everything, whatever. So, um, but now, so I did it. And now I look forward to it because, um, 
I actually learned through this 20 minute thing where I experienced um, being in the now and getting out of my head, you know, and it's been uh, really neat lately because I do do the counting thing. And, you know, um, and I get really, I have my conscious mind, my thinking mind, my fucked up mind, oftentimes get really into the numbers and I look at them and see. And so when it's occupied, counting, Every once in a while, I notice this other thing, the thinker, I watch the thinker and that thing watching the thinker to me is that's my spiritual self. And that's where I get the relief. And, and then I'm forced for 20 minutes to be in the, in the moment, you know, and I want my, my head drifts, you know, and I go into all these other scenarios and fears and blah, blah, blah. And then I say, oh, okay. And then I go back to counting. And, and the more I keep that mind occupied counting, the more room there is for me to be at peace, the more room there is for me to be in the moment. And to me, uh, like Randy was saying, is the freedom, is the relief from this self-talking mind, you know. And, uh, and you know, alcoholism and drug addiction, it's funny, it's, obsess- it's obsession by nature, you know. It's like I can put down the alcohol but I can't stop thinking about, oh, the alcohol, you know, that's my obsession. Unfortunately, when I put the alcohol, this physical allergy takes over. And for whatever reason, I quickly want more, you know, it's never enough. And that is the disease of alcoholism. But the, the part that centers in my mind um, and it is, is what kills me. The fear and the resentment is what kills me, the self-talking. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. And once again, Randy, thanks for uh, telling on yourself you know you come here every week and you basically tell on yourself and through that i relate and i maybe other people do i go oh that's me that's me you know what's he doing about it oh it reminds me yeah i get a reminder of this is what it is this is alcoholism this is what i'm doing you know thanks for sharing you know and since you know i, I believe that you drank the way i drank um, it cuts through all of the other bullshit and says, okay, I'll believe that, you know? And we've been given, or I've been given the gift of how to get out of that self-talking mind is to turn it over to God. And what does that mean for me? It's like, I've learned time and time again, because I've gotten a lot of things in alcohol is in, in Alcoholics Anonymous that I thought I wanted that turned out to be completely not what, what I really wanted. So I've learned the lesson, like, I don't know what I want. I just don't know. And it was a hard lesson to learn, but thank God I learned it because that gave me the, uh, that open, the open-mindedness to say, Hey God, like, I don't know what I want, you know? And when I look back, all the things have never turned out the way I thought they were gonna only better. And I've only learned stuff that I had no idea I would have learned in life had I been in control I would have blocked all of that stuff you know and for me you know it it doesn't matter whether it's like you know a huge thing like you know for me like I got major health issues right now major 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 um you know I I have a lot of you know things that I could rightfully be concerned about but what's my mind obsessed about? And what do I lie awake, awake and can't sleep last night? And I'm up at three in the morning. My, my kid's Little League baseball coach. <laughs> and those are the kind of things that'll take me out the door because it's a resentment. It really is a resentment. Mm-hmm. And why is it, And what is resentment to me? Resentment is fear. 
Mm-hmm. I have a resentment because I'm afraid that this thing or this person is going to keep me from getting what I think I want, mm-hmm. you know, or what I, or losing what I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the false premise that I know in the first place what I want. That's crazy because it's been proven to me, you know. So, yes, it's my alcoholic mm-hmm. mind going around and around. And the only way for me to stop that, I've learned, I can't stop it. But when I take a minute to meditate, say, okay, God, which in the beginning of Alcoholics Anonymous, I said, I don't believe in you. This is nuts. But I did it anyway. I say, God, okay, I'm going crazy. I can't stop thinking about this. And the fact of me saying that is putting me in the now. The fact that I say, hey, God, you know, because I, I talk to it just like a buddy, you know, like, God, I'm going crazy again. It won't stop. It won't stop. What do you do? For that three seconds, I said that I was in the now. Hmm. And I just do it again and again and again. And eventually, it puts me in a place where what are you going to do? What's God's will? Well, maybe you could like help your wife today. Maybe you could be of service. And that's been my saving grace because that is like taking action. That's not my, you know, but I'm not, I don't do it to benefit me directly, but in indirectly, it's been the biggest benefit because it's given me peace because it gets me out of my freaking mind. And that's what's killing me. So once again, I really appreciate everyone being here and I'll shut up. Thanks. Thanks, Rick. Good to see you. Thanks for that. <sighs> Who's next? Yeah, you know I want to hear from you, whoever you are. Come on. (laughs) Anything. It doesn't matter what you talk about. Paul. Hi, Paul. Thank you. Hi, Randy. All alcoholic with alcoholism. I think anything I've got that so I guess I can say something um, I think that, I think there's a question brewing and let me just start by saying that um, what I've seen you know last week I reported that I was felt very much like you were describing your feelings and um, and I'm happy to report that it's not like that today yeah uh, I can't claim that I even know what happened, but, and I certainly didn't do anything, but what came to mind considering it were two words, willingness and willfulness. And I know it has something to do with that. Um, which leads me to a question. I got an email to, I get these travel emails, you know, go on these tours and so on. And I got an email today to go to uh, to India. It looks like a very interesting tour. Uh, and uh, as you know, other pe- people who don't know, I've been very kind of steeped in Indian philosophy for a very long time and consider myself an adherent as, as much as my will will allow me to be. Um, and I thought to myself, well, would this be like a, be kind of one of those like, um, you know, incentives if I went, if I went, would I be incentivized to, to like, be closer to my higher power? And 
I start to see through that a bit right away. I mean, that's not, I know that can't be what it's about. There might be a boost or something like that. Unless I had some sort of epiphany, I imagine, you know, that lasted. But I wondered if you've ever had that experience thinking that if I just go to this, you know, hear this talk or this, you know, on this retreat or to this country or whatever it happens to be, um, you know, it may help. Or I don't think it's in the, I can't, I can't, I'm saying it's not in the right direction. I don't think it hurt, but I don't think it could help. Do you have anything to say about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think that you have to do something. And if you feel intuitively guided to go to India, it couldn't hurt. And it might be exactly where you're supposed to be. But again, just to the extent that I do as I think God would have me and humbly rely upon it, does it enable me to match calamity with serenity? So I, you might go there and, 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 and get a virus and be miserable the whole time you're there. And that might lead you to God, <laughs> to a better relationship with your higher power. Uh, so I have absolutely no idea what you should do. I don't even have any idea what I should do, right? But, but I know that in that, the, the only moment I can have a relationship with my higher power is right here, right now, whether I'm here or in India or anywhere else. But in that relationship, I might feel intuitively guided to do some things, and then I would do those things and see what happens, good or bad. And and so that's the freedom, because what I'm getting free of is the bondage of self. I'm getting free of the self-talking mind that says, oh, you can't go to India, or says you should go there, then you'll be really great when you come back. And, and either one of those is completely insane. So, so I get to have the relationship right now, whether I'm in India or in my chair in my living room. And neither one is better or more. There's no, there's no better connection than right now. It doesn't get any better than this. Isn't that crazy? Whether I'm in India or not in India, I can have just as deep an experience here as I can anywhere else. And I have to have it here or I'm not having it anywhere else. So I hope that answers that question. Laurie? Thank you. Uh, my name is Laurie and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Laurie. And um, I noticed that within self is very, very, very right. Mm. So right that its very existence is based on its rightness, so it's always defending. <laughs> so I called my sponsor today, really, really big deal. Uh, I only started doing that a few years ago, where I would call my sponsor before I figured it all out instead of after. Big change, changed my life. And I, she said, well, you know, you say, okay, God, well, can you believe this? Will you take this from me, walk with me? I said, yeah, I do that. But then 30 seconds later, it's back. She goes, okay, so we do it again. I said, yeah, but that's like two times a minute. Forever? <laughs> she said, no, not forever, just right now. Mm-hmm. And she goes to me, go to Randy's meeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said that three times today. So mm. I said, okay. Um, and it's funny, I'm sitting in a meeting, and it's very threatened, and it's rightness. 
and it's very comfortable and um, I'm just very grateful to be able to be here and I guess if I have to do it for two times a minute we'll keep doing it maybe um, maybe it'll work out thank you for letting me share yeah it's already worked out it's all worked out it might not have worked out the way that you think it should but it's worked out that's the beauty of it it's all worked out. And as I'm telling you that, I'm feeling more peace in my life. It's all worked out. You know what? All of this restless, irritable, and discontent that I'm having around my job might be some intuitive guidance that I need to look. Maybe, maybe it's time for me to move. Maybe I'm just comfortable here and it's time for me to do something new and I'm not open to it. And so I'm digging in saying, no, this isn't right. They shouldn't treat me this way. Maybe... Maybe the thing to do is to go with the flow. And if it doesn't work out, I'll be, leaded, I'll be led to the next best thing. I sell windows and doors for a living. I go to people's homes and sit in their living rooms and talk to them about windows and doors for the best company in the country. But never in a million years did I ever once in my whole life ever think that I would sell windows and doors for a living. Ever, never, ever once. A kid that I sponsored called me up when I was in a weird place in between two, two projects and said, hey, I think you would like this job. You should go talk to this guy. He said, his name's Lance. He reminds me of you. You should go talk to him. And now I sell windows and doors and it happened like, like it's impossible. I didn't go to window and door school. I never considered windows and doors as a pro, as a as a way to make a living. And it's my favorite job that I've ever had so far. And, and now maybe the universe is saying, okay, you did windows and doors. Let's now let's do this, whatever this is. I just have to be open to that could be it. Or maybe, maybe it is just the disease finding fault. Maybe it's just walk, just keep walking, just keep showing up and asking God what's next. But it doesn't, there is no better. There is no better than this. That's a story. There's no better job than the one I have right now. There might be a different one, but when I'm connected and I'm in the, in the relationship with my higher power, this is a perfect job. It's perfect. Scott? Oop. Go ahead. Let's try it again. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Randy, appreciate it. Scott, definitely not qualified. Um, thank you, everyone. Uh, you're the family that I never had or ever wanted to have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you should know my family. <laughs> if we could only choose a family, right? Well, maybe this is how we do it. You know? Um, I want to thank a person here that stepped in and has helped a family member. Um, and what a difference. We get so, well, I get so upset when our only daughter isn't happy. Then the guilt sets in because she, I believe, is in the condition she is because her lovely father loved to drink. You know, and the... Uh, Secondary effect, the secondary smoke. In this case, the secondary um, 
aspect of having a uh, father that loved to drink and a grandfather that loved to drink. Anyway, let's get back to something that, uh, Randy, you, you laid out the perfect example that could help myself and probably many other people. So you're in a situation that you've had a wonderful job selling, selling windows and doors. You were the salesman of the year. Now the ism is stepping in and you're trying to either ignore what you're feeling or opening your mind up to what the next step is. That's my life in a nutshell. That quagmire, exactly what you expressed. I'm pretty sure you've had much more experience than I have in deciphering the ism versus God is telling me to do this. What's your experience and what do you think? <laughs> it's not it's not about me, Randy. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's a hundred percent about you. You 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 it's wanna a, hear what I you wanna hear what I do so you could know what to do. You wanna know what the trick is. There's no yeah, tricks. Not, there's no not tricks. There's no tricks. There's no I'm not tricks. Asking your trick. There's twelve steps as a way of life. This no, no, the, no, you're not getting out of this. This is Come the, on. I don't know. You didn't ask a specific question. What was the question? Oh, you want a specific question? Yeah, what's okay. the question? How do you recognize that this ism is telling you to go sell Avon? Or how do you recognize that that's God's work putting this Avon job in your lap? Since you sold windows and doors so much, you know, you can carry over that trait. How do I know when it's time to move on? And recognize, yes, yeah. and recognize, yes. It's not the ism telling me. Yeah, by not being in the ism. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. How do you yes, do that? Yes, it is. Well, I'm going to tell question? you the answer, but you don't want to hear it. The answer is the yeah. application of 12 steps as a way of life and the relationship that comes out of the power from doing that. You can't, there's no tricks. You, I don't know how to recognize it. But God could and would if it were sought. So I know how to sought. I know how to sought. I know how to meditate. I know how to sit. I know how to ask for help. I know how to read. I know how to pray. I don't know which one of those is going to help me today. But I'm going to continue reaching out to people that I admire and people that have what I want and asking them what they think. Am I lying to myself? I'm going to continue praying and meditating and sharing my life with my higher power. And the right answer will reveal itself. It just reveals itself. It shows up. Somebody says, hey, call this guy. I think you'd like it there. Then it's up to me. You know what my first thought was? No way. I didn't come to L.A. to be a, a door and window salesman. I'm a movie producer. Yeah. That was my first thought. And my second thought was, hmm, you said anything. 
You said anything to God. I said, I'll do, I offer myself to you to build with me and do with me as you will. That means anything. I'll do anything. You want me to go to India with Paul? I'm going to India. You want me to sell windows and doors? I'll sell windows and whatever you want. Because when I align my will with God's will, I have the best life I've ever known. And I don't need, it doesn't matter if I'm producing movies or selling windows. It doesn't matter. It's the same good. It's the same peace. It's the same, it's the same lovely right now, no matter what. Playing golf or driving to Ojai. It's the same. We, I have just as much fun in the car on the way to Ojai as I did on the golf course. And the ride back was just as lovely as the ride up, right? So it was, some people are in the car annoyed about the drive to get to the golf course. And then they're going to have fun when they get to the golf course. But when they get to the golf course, they're so annoyed by the drive to get there that they can't wait till the golf is over to get back in the car and drive home and then be annoyed again. What's what? Where are you going? There's nowhere to go. And also is the unspoken part. It's up to God to say, yes, you are hired. You know, you apply for that job. Yeah. But it's the other person's decision to say, yes, you're hired. And that's where God's work would step in. Probably. Yeah, Yeah, but the other person could say, yes, you're hired, but it's not the right job. (laughs) (laughs) Three-dimensional chess. It's it's very deep. It's very deep. It's it's not something you can learn intellectually and have the answer. You're not going to have the answer the way you want it in advance. That's what you want. You want to know the answer before the question yeah. arises. The answer is delivered in the moment that it's needed. I will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. I'm not going to know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. That would be some stuff I read out of a book. The best way to handle this job opportunity, the a book. <laughs> How about I'll intuitively know how to handle this situation, whether it's a job or not a job. That's what's being offered, but that's in a relationship with a power that can't be learned. What I learn is that I don't know. Admitting complete defeat, what that, what admitting complete defeat is, is I don't know. I don't know. Am I supposed to do this job or something else? I don't know. Today, they gave me a lead. I'm going to go show up. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to try and not have a story about what neighborhood it's in and how much these people can afford and why did they give me this lead and why don't they like me and why would they send me here and this is too far and have that torture the whole way there. I'm not going to do that now, I hope. I hope. I might. All right. 1230. Boom. 12:30. I appreciate you all so much. I need to have this. I need to sit down and meditate for 20 minutes and you put me in the box to do it. So I appreciate you. If one of you shows up next Wednesday, I will meditate with you. If nobody shows up, it's questionable as to whether I will meditate or not. That's the crazy thing. I know that about myself. So I'm going to meditate next Wednesday if one of you shows up. All right. Uh, We'll take a moment of silence and then we'll do the serenity prayer and...
Okay, if you'd like to, you could unmute yourself and join me in the serenity prayer. It would be awesome. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Beautiful. Carolyn, great to see you. Rebecca, I mean, oh, Rachel, nice to see you on the, on the meeting, and Tina, and everybody else, by the way. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Have a good day. Thanks. Good to see you. Have fun. You too, man. Have fun on the course. Thanks. Yeah. Good luck selling. Thank you. <laughs> I need all... You could pray for me. That would be awesome. Okay. Pray, pray for me to be uh, happy, prosperous, and healthy. I'm going to say a prayer for you to receive whatever message God wants you to hear around work. Like if there's a... Um, a sign God wants you to receive. Are you okay with that? I would love that. That would be okay, so awesome. I always like signs and messages, but it's yeah. like when it's blurry, you know, when it's like, no, no clear message. And I'm like, why not? You know, like, why not? But uh, yeah, so send a prayer. Let's, let's see. It'll help me too. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, hi, Tina. I've just, I'm going to say around you that, um, Jackie uh, was found a couple of weeks ago. She had an aneurysm and she's in hospital. So we say prayers for her as well, please. Oh my God, is she okay? She was in a coma and she's just starting to come out of it now. Um, so she's, um, I was up there last week. She's She's got her memory. So she's just starting to like breathe without the machine oh. and stuff. But it's going to be slow so loads of prayers was she sober was she still sober yeah yeah thank god she was sober yeah and she's like uh, i was talking like she's not talking clearly yet but the 